This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. As I mentioned last night, we've got a brand new show for you tonight. It's Christopher London and stars Glenn Ford in the lead role as the world-traveling private eye, Christopher London. Now, Glenn was a Canadian-born actor who held dual Canadian and American citizenship. His stage name came from his father's hometown of Glenn Ford, Alberta. His career lasted more than 50 years, always liked his work. Although he played many different roles, Ford was best known for playing ordinary men in unusual circumstances, and he was most prominent during Hollywood's golden age. And now, here's something I bet you didn't know about him. Though his, uh, or through his father, Ford was a great nephew of Canada's first prime minister, Sir John A. Macdonald, and also related to U.S. President Martin Van Buren. In 1922, when Ford was six, the family moved to Santa Monica, California. After he graduated from the high school there, he began working in small theater groups. And while in high school, he took odd jobs, including working for Will Rogers, who taught him horsemanship. Ford later commented that his father had no objection to his growing interest in acting, but told him, it's all right for you to try and act, but if you learn something else first, be able to take a car apart and put it back together, be able to build a house, every bit of it, then you'll always have something. Ford heeded that advice, and during the 1950s, when he was one of Hollywood's most popular actors, he regularly worked on plumbing, wiring, and air conditioning at home. In the summer of 1941, while the United States was still technically neutral, he enlisted in the Coast Guard Auxiliary, though he had a Class Three deferment for being his mother's sole support. Ford went on a cross-country 12-city tour to sell war bonds for Army and Navy relief. In the midst of the many stars who donated their time, from Bob Hope to Cary Grant to Claudette Colbert, he met the popular dancing star Eleanor Powell. Well, the two fell in love. Unfortunately, just as Eleanor, now his wife, was expecting the birth of their child, and Ford himself was looking forward to officers' training school, he was felled by inexplicable abdominal pains with what turned out to be duodenal ulcers, an affliction that stayed with him the rest of his life. In 1950, Ford played the title role in The Adventures of Christopher London, a private investigator, in the weekly adventure series which ran on Sundays at 7 p.m. on the NBC radio network. Last and by no means least, the series was created by Earl Stanley Gardner of long-running Perry Mason fame in film, radio, and television. And here we go with our first show for Christopher London. New York, a famous composer sips his brandy and dies. The lovely lady vanishes. On the French Riviera, a childish tune is played again and again behind the locked door. Jagged pieces of a horrible puzzle fitted together into a pattern of murder by Christopher London. (laughs) 
National Broadcasting Company presents Christopher London, created especially for radio by the world's most widely read mystery writer, Earl Stanley Gardner, transcribed, produced, and directed by William N. Robeson, and starring Mr. Glenn Ford. I am Christopher London, who can't even take a little walk in the moonlight with a beautiful woman without finding a dead body in his path. Everyone else seems to be able to do the average sort of thing, go to a show or a concert without the man in the next seat winding up with a stiletto in his back, but not me, no. No, like that night I went to Carnegie Hall to hear the new piano concerto by my old friend Louis Deshaies. the kind of man you seldom come across anymore, vital despite 60-odd years with an eye for the ladies, 20 cigars a day, evenings of brandy, roulette, and romance. Well, after the concert, he slipped away with me to a small bar around the corner from Carnegie Hall where we could chat quietly. Oh, Christopher, how I detest to listen to my own music. Oh, nerve-wracking. Ah, it will be good to get away, to relax. No music, no work. Where are you going? Wandelka. She has written me to spend a holiday at her chateau in Monte Carlo. Wandelka, the pianist? Yes. Oh, that's a great artist. I've heard her play. Oh, one of the most remarkable women of our time. Even now, at 60, she can captivate the heart of men half her age. The vitality, the allure. I, I fell in love with her twice in my life. Once at 16 and again at 40. I even wanted to marry her. Me, Louis Dauchet, willing to marry. But I couldn't afford her. Extravagance? Oh, that is another statement. <laughs> Wadelka, she lives to the hilt. Compared to her, I'm middle class. Oh, how that woman lives. The fortune she's lost at roulette. The racing car she has bought. The chateau she's lived in. Oh, she sounds wonderful. At 60, she is not only a great pianist, linguist, mathematician, poet. You know, you sound as though you're still in love with her. It's too bad you couldn't afford her. Oh, need I tell you how little a composer like me earns? Few concerts, a sale of records. That is all. Oh, for a man with my taste, it has been hard. But now, all will be changed. Christopher, when I return, I should be a wealthy man. Oh, how are you going to manage that? Uh, <laughs> I cannot tell you, Christopher. I beg your pardon. Huh? Is this seat taken? Oh, no. Uh, do sit down, mademoiselle. I was at the concert. Oh, it was a beautiful concerto, Mr. Deshaies. Oh, oh, you know who I am. Oh. oh, how nice. And you are? Oh, just a girl called Anne. And uh, this is Mr. London. Hello. Hello. Another round, gents. How about you, young lady? Uh, yes, the young lady may have whatever she wishes. Oh, no, I only intend... Oh, but I insist. Oh, thank you. A vermouth cassis, please. Another cognac for me. Uh, Christopher? No, no, thanks. Anne, may I tell you that you are the most beautiful young lady that I've met in many a dull year? Christopher, isn't she exquisite? Very. Yes, I'm partial to lavender eyes and red hair. Thank you. Perhaps you are musician. Oh, no. I'm... I'm nobody. Oh, <laughs> It's strange, my, my sitting here with two men who lead such exciting lives. I, too. Heavens, I know the name Christopher London. Oh. Here's your drinks. Oh, thank you very much, yes. To your concerto, Mr. Deshaies. 
to your beauty, Mademoiselle Anne. Thank you. Oh, look. Isn't that a turvy over there? Where? Over there, in the corner. Turn around and tell me. No resemblance, but it is not Iturbi. Mm, no, I see now it isn't. Oh, dear, what time is it? Mm. Oh, let's see. It's, uh, oh, 11.40. Oh, I must make a phone call. Do excuse me for a second. I'll be right back. Oh, la, 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 la. Oh, such beauty. Oh, that soft skin. That red hair. That red hair is one of the finest wigs I've ever seen. Oh, Christopher, ridiculous. No, somewhere I've met her before. But where? You cynical young man. Oh, no, my friend. You are so wrong. You are... Honey, I, 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 I am dizzy. dizzy. What's the matter? My eyes, I. What? Christopher. Oh, wait, wait a minute. What's wrong with him, Mister? He's dead. She. How? You better not wash that cognac glass. I have a hunch the police will find poison in it, getting us to turn our backs. That's the oldest trick in the world. We fell for it. That. That redhead? Yeah, yeah, the beautiful, phony redhead. You were right, Mr. London. Poison. Uh, how about the girl, Inspector? Not a trace. What gets me is the motive. Why bump off an old guy who writes music? <laughs> Maybe the music was real lousy, huh? No, no, somebody didn't want him to go abroad. Uh, that's tough luck. Europe must be swell this time of year. Yes, I, I think it will be. Well, what do you mean? I'll see you when I get back. Where are you going? To the south of France. There's a woman I ought to meet. Uh, <laughs> that's different. I thought you were going on business. I am, Inspector. Grim business. It's always hard to lose a friend, especially when his music has brought joy to a world which needs all the joy it can get. I was angry, cold angry. Poor Louis de Chaise. Never again to see his old love, the great, the famous Wandelka. And to come back a wealthy man. What did it all mean? Why should he die at the hands of a girl with lavender eyes and a lilting voice? So I boarded a plane for France. And the next night, I walked into the fabulous casino at Monte Carlo. I went from table to table, looking for the artist and woman known as Wandelka. When suddenly... Hello, London. Huh? Well, Phil Zeruccio, huh? <laughs> How time flies. Last time I saw you, a, a grand jury was indicting you for murder. Yeah, but I got a good mouthpiece. How's Broadway? Yeah, a lot safer since you were deported, Phil. I got news for you, London. I ain't particularly delighted to see you here. Afraid I'll spoil some little project you're working on? Listen, I'm a respectable businessman. Bought myself a chain of restaurants. Pure as the driven snow, you might say, speaking of me. I bet. Probably every politician from Marseille to Rome is bribed up to their beards. Talk sweet, London. Better yet, don't talk. Just beat it. Get out of Monaco. Try Bulgaria or Iceland. You know, I've often wondered, Zeruccio, did you really have 40 guys killed off like the DA said? Or was it all of us? I'm warning you, London, stop needling. I got full in Europe. I can have you out of here in a day. Keep your nose clean and stay out of my hair. I knew Phil Zeruccio. 
Compared to him, Lucky Luciano and Lepke were sissies. Or was he on the level about turning over a new leaf? And what was he doing here in a plaid dinner jacket, wandering about the casino of Monte Carlo? Did he know the girl of the lavender eyes? Had he ever heard of one Delka? I strolled out into the gardens, thinking, thinking. Penny for your thoughts, Kit. What? Oh, well, Professor Sullivan. Oh, bless you, Kit. It's good to see you. I've missed you dreadfully. How did you know I'd be here? Intuition, my friend. Now, wait a minute. Don't kid me, Professor. Every time I'm working on a case, you pop up. Havana, Paris, everywhere I go. Ah, but you pay me so well, Kit. Now, can I do any favors now for you? I'm your humble servant. You can trust me. Ah, oh, yes, always for a price. <laughs> You've been in jail since I last saw you? Oh, only a fortnight in Algiers. Oh, Kit, Algerian prisons are gloomy places. <laughs> Well, I suppose I've got to let you help me. Yeah, that's right. You're my conscience, Kit. You always pay me to do something legal and save me from evil associations. I have a proposition. Oh, those words are like rose petals. How much? Fifty. What do I steal? Do you know a woman called Wandelka? Oh, yes, a great woman. Great pianist. A beautiful... Take me to her chateau. Oh, now, I'd be cheating you if I did that. See, the poor lady was... Did you say was? Yes. May the saints cherish her. Wandelka died yesterday. Tomorrow morning is her funeral. Behind this tombstone. I dislike graveyards intensely, yes, but this funeral fascinates me. I wonder who are those two mourners? Hmm? Oh, they are her only relatives, her sister and her niece. They came from Poland only recently. Uh-huh. I wonder what they look like. I wish they'd raise up their veils. Hmm, that's better. Oh, thank you. Well, the mother must have been a beauty in her day. Wandelka was even more beautiful. At 60. Her only relatives, huh? Oh, yes, yes, that's right. She never married, did she? Oh, the niece is exquisite. Yeah, there now. Isn't she the most beautiful brunette you've ever seen? So she just came from Poland, did she? Yes. Hmm. Well, the day before yesterday, I saw her sitting at a bar on 56th Street in New York in a red wig. Oh, that's impossible. Now, she came from Poland. Oh, Professor, it grieves me to tell you this, but you're a liar. Oh, Kit, if you didn't pay me so well, I'd be hurt to the quick. Now, how well do you really know these two women? Come on, now, tell the truth. I've never spoken a word to her. For $50 more, would you tell me the real truth? Oh, well, in that case, I thought so. Cash. Oh, Professor, Professor, oh, you're a rascal. All right, here you are. Good, good. Now, the truth is this. Those charming women pay me to stay in this town so that I can notify them should anyone try and get near Wondelka's chateau. Why are they so eager to keep people away from that house? Who knows? Perhaps, I'll merely say, perhaps, Wondelka is not in that coffin at all. And uh, I've got another passkey here. Might do it. It, it will get into trouble entering without permission. Uh, you're a stickler for ethics at the wrong time, Professor. There now. That does it. 
Well, this is quite a place. Yes, it dates back to Marie Antoinette. Uh, I wonder where the servants are. You know, that's a strange thing. A few days after the two women arrived here, not a servant could be located. Oh, naturally. Uh, where could Wandelka be? I don't know. No, that, I swear, is true. Uh, uh, I wonder where that staircase leads over there. Oh, that's to the bedrooms. All right, let's try it. Look, the uh, women will be coming back from the funeral soon. Courage, Professor. Well, this, uh, this staircase was built too steep. Shh, shh, wait a minute. Listen, listen. Behind that door. Perhaps that's Wandelka. Undoubtedly. Let's see here. And that's locked. Uh, Wandelka. <clears throat> Wandelka, is that you? Yeah, it gives me goose pimples to hear that. A great pianist playing like a child. Feeble-minded, insane, maybe. Yes. And why is she being kept a prisoner in her own house? Now, look, I'll give you another 50. No, if you were to offer me a million, I couldn't tell you, Kit. Now, those women tell me very little. Wandelka. Wandelka. Look, I know you're being held a prisoner. I've come to help you. Can you hear me? Uh, it's like a lunatic asylum. Come on, let's get out of here. Yes, yes, sir. They'll be back soon, and I want to meet those lovely ladies on a different basis. Oh, Kit, what does one Delco mean to you? A friend of mine loved her. I have uh, come to offer my condolences at your loss. I'm from America. I I played many times in the Philharmonic Orchestra when Wondelka was the soloist. Won't you come in? Mama, this is an American gentleman who knew poor auntie. He has come to pay his respects. You come at unhappy time. Won't you sit down? Thank you, madame. Your sister was one of the great musicians, one of the great women of the century. She inspired me to love music and to love life. She will be remembered as was Bernhardt and Duza and Madame Curie. Oh, I am glad to know someone young and a foreigner still holds her memory dear. What was the cause of her death, madame? Pneumonia. She insists on going to casino. She loved to play roulette. And that night it rained, it rained. And, and she caught cold. She was so weak. And, and... Oh, don't cry, Mama. The past is over. Why are there no servants here to attend to your needs, madame? We wish to sit here alone with our grief. Oh, but we are being ungracious, Anna. The wine. Ah, your name is Anna. Yes, my sister had always a great wine cellar. You stay here, Anna, and entertain the gentleman. I will get the wine. Why you look at me like that, monsieur? I came to find death. And I found beauty. Thank you. It is so seldom one sees a Polish girl with hair so black. My father was part Italian. Oh, I see. You know, were Renoir alive today, he would wish to paint you. 
Your coloring is exquisite. The black, black hair and the lavender eyes. Make love to me, monsieur. You choose a most unhappy time. Oh, but when a man is swept off his feet, love does not wait on birth or death. I had heard how impetuous Americans were. I... Oh, no, no. What would my mother say? Oh, she's still in the wine cellar. You are wicked. Oh? Well, then... Winky? Yes. You are no saint. Yet you are charming. Anna. Hmm? Anna. Oh, Anna, I could compose a tone poem to that name. Please, Mother is coming back. Oh, Mother has no sense of timing. Oh, those steps are hard on old women. Hmm. Oh, here, Anna. Pour the gentleman his wine. Taste it. And tell me if you have ever had a finer amoroso. Yes, drink, monsieur. Aren't you joining me? Not just now. Oh, but I insist your daughter at least take part in an old American custom. Uh Uh, Yes, it's called the loving cup. Now, when a man meets a girl as lovely as your daughter, he asks her her to drink first from his glass. Anna is too young to drink. Oh, surely an exception can be made here. I accept your flattery, monsieur. However... It is not flattery. No, to look at you is to have some of the chill taken from the memory of your dead aunt. Now, wait... Don't I hear a piano being played somewhere? Oh, no, young man. Imagination plays tricks, you know. My poor sister. Oh, yes, yes, of course. I must have imagined it. Come, Anna. You shall have the first sip from my glass. I cannot allow my daughter... I insist. It is difficult, young man, to know where flattery ends and rudeness begins with you. Surely you can't object to drinking your own wine, Anna. Or can you? Of course not. No. No. Certainly not. Well, then. Anna, no. That's a pretty phony accent you girls are wearing. All right, wise guy. Now, just stand quite still. What a smart little revolver. It'll do the work, Professor. Yes, yes, I'm coming. Tie this fool up in the cellar. Oh. Poor kid. You shouldn't have come here. Oh, Professor, sometimes you shake my faith in the human race. listening to Christopher London, starring Glenn Ford. You know, Professor, that gun pointing at me is superfluous. <laughs> Bless you, kid. I'll take no chances with you. Well, where's your shame? I mean, taking my money and then telling those women about me. Well, it's difficult to have both a conscience and a bank book at the same time. Uh, what wouldn't you do for money? Offhand, I can't really imagine. <laughs> Uh, tell me, how much did they pay you to double-cross me? 50,000 francs. Well, that's hardly worth the effort, the way francs are these days. Now, don't undermine my confidence in international finance, kid. Dinner, I pity you. Here you'll sit and starve while they go on trying to get her secret from her. What secret? I wish I knew. 
I asked Lottie, that's the girl who calls herself Anna. Lottie's from Newark, New Jersey. Worked in a burlesque for a while. Yeah, I'll bet she did. I asked her what secret would Wondoka have. She only snarled at me. It's amazing how beautiful women can snarl. Uh, Louis Deshaies was poisoned at the bar by Lottie. Why? He was coming to visit Wondelka. He was sure he'd strike it rich. Now, what had Wondelka written him? I mean, why should she, of all people, be kept a prisoner? Why the fake funeral? Too bad you'll never know the answers. You think they're asleep by now? Oh, yes. Oh, think of that wonderful woman, Professor. Haven't you any sentiment? Well, for $500 in American money, I could weep buckets. And at the same time, cut your cords. Two hundred. Five. Either my price or I sit here and I starve. Now, which is it going to be? Oh, well, naturally, I can't let you die. Oh, it's a deal. Uh, there's no use unless I get to that room upstairs. Oh, by the merest chance, I picked the old lady's pocket. What? Yeah, I have the key. And for another fifty... No, 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 no. Oh, well, what can I do? My heart can't allow you to be eaten by rats. Oh. Wait, here. I'll cut you free. <laughs> That's it. Well, you're a noble soul, Professor. Yes. Now, here's the key. Now, we go upstairs to find Wondelka. Oh, not me. No, I've had enough for one day. I'll go back and have sweet dreams in your hotel room. Now then, give me the money. Oh, I haven't it on me. How about tomorrow? Fortunately, in the past, your credit has been good. Well, Kit, we come to the parting of the ways. I back to town and you to... Yes, yes. Who knows where? Madam Wondelka. Who are you? I don't know you. Go away. I don't know you. Please try to understand what I'm saying. It's very important. I've come to get you away from these women. I don't know you. Yes, yes, I know. All right, I know. I know about that. Now, we're going to get you out of here. I'll take you to a hospital. I'll take care of you. You'll be well again. Will you stop playing and listen to me? My name is Christopher London. I'm a friend of Louis de Chais. Ah, good. I had to make sure. Thank heaven you have come. Uh, the fools. The arrogant fools. Who did they think they were browbeating some poor little old lady? How easy it was to pretend I was out of my mind. You say you know my friend Louis. Yes. He was all set to sail for France when he was murdered. Murdered? Oh, no. Poor, poor man. How horrible. Yes, well, I hated to tell you. But... Well, at my age, one's friends die one by one. Who killed him? That girl. It was that girl, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, poor Louis. He was always a boy at heart about a pretty face. Like I am. About a handsome face. I must say, young man, I could not ask for a finer-looking rescuer than you. How romantic of you to bother about an old lady like me. Well, not really an old lady. Don't be too optimistic. We've got to get out of here. This is a dangerous gang. Yes, I see them all hanged yet. Or the guillotine. And a pretty head chopped off. 
Oh, my poor Louis. Tell me, why did they kill him? He was the only one to whom I confided my secret. Secret? Young man, I have three passions. Attractive men, the playing of the piano, and the roulette wheel. The first two, I mastered. But the third, now, at last, I have, after years, I have discovered the perfect mathematical system to break the bank at Monte Carlo. Oh. This gang found out about my system. Zutelo, they take over my chateau one day, pretend to be my relatives, get rid of my friends, get rid of my servants, and I am their captive. But I do not tell them this system. I destroy all papers, all calculations. Oh, but you must have one copy hidden. Ah, I have. Now, look, this is no time to play... This is it. This is the system. Well, what do you mean? Play the tune in the key of E, using E flat as the code for number one. What's the old musical code? Naturally. Played and varied five times. When it's decoded, the entire numerical system is spelled out. I've kept it in my mind all this time. Played it so I would not forget. Okay, wise guy, I told you to keep your hands off. Hello, Zeruccio. You're at the bottom of all this, huh? Oh, what are you going to do? Don't beat me again. Shut up, you idiotic fool. Stop playing and come across with that system. What system? I'm just an old lady who... Oh, God, my arm, oh, my arm. Smart work, one step. Oh, no, you don't, Zeruccio. Out of my way, London. Not so fast. Get his gun. I have it. Shall I shoot them both? It would be a pleasure. You're not insane. No. And my fingers are exceptionally strong, thanks to Mozart. You silly girl. I'll stand guard, Monsieur London. You get the police. What about the other woman? Where is she? It does not matter. If she shows up, I'll take care of her. If she does not show up, the police, they will find her. Well, you're everything that Louis said, madame. Brave, wise, and beautiful. <laughs> I think soon I shall play a concert dedicated to you, monsieur. Oh, if I were 20 years younger. You are eternally young, madame. Well, hold up your hands. Oh, you caught them. <laughs> yes, I'm afraid your heroics have come a little late, Professor. Oh, Wondelka, give him your gun. He will stand guard until I come back with the police. You must be weary. Weary? Nonsense. After you are done with the police, come to the casino. I will be there playing my system. I'll treat you to champagne and introduce you to all the pretty girls. Oh, so that was it. A system to break the bank, eh? But uh, what is the system? You'd like to know, Professor? Oh, yes. Very much, honey. Very much, yeah. yeah. I see. Well, give him your system, Mondelka. Allegro con molto. That was Christopher London, starring Glenn Ford. Transcribed, produced, and directed by William N. Robeson. And created especially for radio by the world's most widely read mystery writer, Earl Stanley Gardner. Tonight's play was written by Bernard Schoenfeld with a musical score composed and conducted by Van Cleave. Included in Mr. Ford's company were Ben Wright, Eleanor Audley, Ramsey Hill, Jeanette Nolan, Ted DeCorsia, Georgia Ellis, and Rick Vallon. 
Stay tuned for My Favorite Husband next on Theater of the Mind. Now it's time for Lucille Ball as Liz in My Favorite Husband. It's time for My Favorite Husband starring Lucille Ball. Hello, everybody. Yes, it's the Gay Family Series, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. Transcribed and brought to you by the Jell-O family of dessert. J-E-L-L-O, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O pudding. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O got the yolk of pudding just for me. And now Lucille Ball with Richard Denning as Liz and George Cooper. Two people who live together and like it. As we look in on the Coopers, it's breakfast time. Liz and George are having an argument about their plans for the evening. Liz wants to go to a symphony concert. And George wants to have a poker game. Concert. Poker. Concert. Poker. Concert. Poker. Poker. Concert. All right, we'll go to the concert. <laughs> now, wait a minute. You said concert. Well, I didn't mean it. I was tricked into it. Oh, gee, Liz. Why are we arguing so much lately? Well, it's all your fault. Whenever I want to do something, you want to do something else. Oh, but, honey, think of the fun we could have playing poker with other couples. Other men's wives know how to play poker. Mm. Now what's the matter? You don't love me. <laughs> you wish you were married to a poker player. Oh, now, honey, I didn't mean to say I can that... see it all now. The bride looked lovely in a white satin gown, sleeve bands, and a green eye shade. <laughs> oh, Liz, please, now calm down, honey. I I'm sorry I upset you. <laughs> Then you'll go to the concert? No. All right, go ahead and play poker. And I hope your partner trumps your full house. <laughs> this was the best luncheon our club's had in a long time. Didn't you think so, Liz? Oh, I don't think so much of it, Iris. Didn't you like your chicken patty? Well, I didn't get any chicken. All I got was patty. <laughs> well, our guest speaker seemed to enjoy his lunch. He's had three helpings. Yeah, if he eats any more, we'll lose money on him. What's he going to talk about? How to be happy, though, Mary. Oh. I better introduce him. Uh, ladies! Uh, quiet, ladies! Girls! <laughs> it is my pleasure to present to you One of the world's greatest authorities On successful and happy marriages Professor Philip Milmoth <laughs> Professor Milmoth, that's you They're waiting Really? Huh? Oh. Pardon me, till I take a swallow of coffee <laughs> There. <clears throat> Ladies, I speak to you today on one of the most wonderful of human achievements, a happy marriage. 
Oh, don't take that plate. I haven't finished the pastry. <laughs> now, ladies, the trouble with most marriages lies with you. Be, be a pal to your husband. <laughs> learn, learn to like the things he likes. Be interested in his hobbies. For this way lies peace and happiness in marriage. Uh, I'd like to ask a question, Professor. Certainly. Uh, why does it always have to be the woman who gives in? A very interesting question. And the answer lies in my book, which will be sold at the door as you leave. <laughs> Price of 79 cents. <laughs> Let me quote from page 65. Quote, be, be your husband's best friend. Be like his dog. <laughs> You'll never hear a man arguing with his dog. But, Professor... I haven't finished. Oh, I'm sorry. Unquote. <laughs> yes? <laughs> Well, Professor, I'm going to try your system about being like my husband's dog, almost. What do you mean, almost? Well, I don't mind running out to greet him when he whistles, or even running and jumping into his lap. But I'll be darned if I'll sit on the floor and lick his hand while he's eating dinner. <laughs> Cooper, but Mr. Cooper just came home. You asked me to tell you. Oh, thank you, Katie. I'll go right in and give him the mill moth treatment. Uh, beg pardon? I'm going in and be a pal to George. I'm going to be interested in everything he is. I hope it works. Uh, he's in there reading the paper. Good. I'll start with that. I'll read the paper and discuss it with him. Well, this ought to be interesting. Hello, George. How's my little husband tonight? Your husband is fine, and he is not going to that concert. Oh, who cares about an old concert anyway? Give me part of the paper, old pal. All right. Here's the society page. Society page? Oh, give me something interesting. Where's the sports section? Sports section? Mm -hmm. I've never seen you read the sports section. Oh, I never miss it. Give it to me. I'll read it to you. This should be interesting. Well, let's see now. Uh... William Bags Crown by Chico in eight. Chico. <laughs> That's T-K-O. Well, how would you pronounce it? <laughs> Technical knockout. Oh. Well, I never cared much for basketball anyway. <laughs> I see. Well, now, here's something I didn't know about. Midget racing. Well, what about it? They ought to be ashamed making those little men run around the track. <laughs> Thank you, Ted Husey. And you didn't think I knew anything about sports, did you? Tell me, Red Barber, what else is new in the sports world? Oh, my goodness. It's not bad enough with midgets. Now they're racing little girls. 
This I've got to see. It says so right here. Yesterday at Tanferan, a race was won by a three-year-old maiden. <laughs> this can't be happening. She certainly was carrying a lot of money for a little girl. She had $2,000 in her purse. <laughs> oh, Liz, that would do credit to Grantland Rice. To what? Haven't you ever heard of Grantland Rice? Certainly I've heard of Grantland Rice. But I never tasted it. <laughs> oh, no. George, I have something nice to tell you. I'm not going to the concert tonight. You're not? No, I'm going to be a real pal to you. I'm going to share your interests. I'm going to stay home and play poker with you and Mr. Atterbury and the boys from the bank. You're what? But, but you don't know how to play poker. Well, I'm going to learn how. I've got a whole hour before they get here. Oh. Well, now that you're all here, we might as well get started with a poker game, huh, fellas? Yeah, you're sure you boys don't mind if Liz plays with it? No, we're delighted. <laughs> I wouldn't miss it for the world. Well, batter up. <laughs> what? She means set him up in the other alley. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, let's start. You deal, Joe. All right. Oh, isn't this fun? I just love playing poker. All right, Liz. It's up to you. What is? <laughs> you start. Start what? <laughs> you pass. Pass what? <laughs> Can you open? Open what? <laughs> What have you got in your hand? Any pairs? No, they're all different numbers. Can anybody open? All right, throw your cards in. Funny thing, they were all different numbers, but they were all the same suit. Your deal, Mr. Atterbury. Do I have to? <laughs> Look, why don't we all go off by ourselves and play solitaire? Oh, I want to play poker. Oh, uh, well, here we go. Ooh, a queen. Liz, never mind. Ooh, there's your sister. <laughs> Liz, you're supposed to keep your cards a secret. Ooh. What did you get, Mr. Atterbury? I shouldn't talk, but tell your two Andrews sisters not to wait up for Laverne. I, uh, I open for two. I'm in. I'm in. Put in two chips, Liz. Okay. Cards? They're in your hand. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Give me two. Three. How many cards do you want, Liz? Oh, do I get more? You throw away the worst cards in your hand and try to draw better ones. 
Why? Because that's the way you play poker! <laughs> Well, which one shall I throw away? The two queens or the three five? No! <laughs> well, what are you pushing all the chips over to me for? Because as much as I hate to admit it, you win. I do? Oh, this is fun. Come on, deal them again. I can play poker all night. <laughs> Mr. Atterbury, are you busy? Can I see you a minute? Of course, George. Come on in. What's on your mind, boy? Well, it's Liz. Oh, this this pal business is driving me nuts. If last night was an example, boy, I know what you mean. (laughs) I'm, I'm sorry about that, sir. Oh, that's all right. I was honored to be present on such a memorable occasion. I can always tell my grandchildren that I was there the night poker died. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's awful. She, she wants to do everything I do. I'm, I'm going on a camping trip this weekend to get rid of her. Oh, oh, wait a minute, boy. I have an idea. Take Liz on the trip with you. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, very funny, Mr. Adams. No, no, I mean it. Take Liz with you and work her head off. By the time she's hiked through the woods, waded through icy streams, and slept on the cold ground, she'll be plenty sick of being your boon companion. Hey, that's that's a good idea. Good, my foot, it's sheer genius. (laughs) I'll do it. I've got to stop this thing somewhere. I'll say you do, boy. First thing you know, Liz will be buying you mother and daughter sun (laughs) suits. we find Liz still concentrating on being a pal to George. Right now, they're getting ready to go on a camping trip. Mrs. Cooper, here's the box of food I fixed for the trip. Oh, thank you, Katie. We're just about ready to leave. Oh, I'll get it. Hello? Hello, Liz? Oh, hi, Iris. We're just leaving. Don't go, girl. You're about to be booby-trapped. <laughs> what are you talking about? Do you know why George is taking you to the mountains? Certainly, because I'm his boon companion. The way I heard it, Boone plans to get rid of his companion. What do you mean? George is going to wear you out hiking and fishing and camping. He's sick of having you for a pal. I don't believe it. It's true. Rudolph came home from the bank looking like the cat who swallowed the canary. And you wheedled it out of him. Who has to wheedle that big blabbermouth? <laughs> Well, Iris, thanks a lot for telling me. Well, that's okay, girl. I suppose you won't go now. Of course I'm going. And I've got a plan, Iris. Will you help me? Glad to. I'm never too busy to help a wife take a swipe at a husband. <laughs> Good, Iris. Now, you follow us in your car, and whatever you do, keep out of sight. Now, here's what I want you to do. <laughs>
this mountain air is wonderful. I never get enough of it. Oh, boy, it sure is great. Hey, this looks like a good trout stream. Yeah, this looks like a good one. I'll tell you what. Let's split up and, and see who catches the most fish. <laughs> All right. I'm going up around that bend there. Now, wait. I'll do you a favor. Don't go up there. It's, it's too shallow, not enough rapids. There aren't any fish there. Oh, but it's so pretty. All right. Have it your way. I'll see you later, and I'll have a lunch. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> Let's see now. She should be right up around the bend here. Where? Oh, where? Oh, Iris, there you are. Have you got them? The best they had at the market. <laughs> Six trout. Aren't they beauties? Oh, wonderful. Throw them to me, Iris. What for? Well, then I won't be lying when I tell George I caught them. <laughs> here, girl. Take them off the string before you show them to George. Yeah, I will. I'll see you later. Wait for me. I'll wait right here where I was before. It would take a magician to catch a fish up there. Shake hands with Houdini. <laughs> what do you mean? Haven't you caught any fish yet? Oh, have you? Only these. Only the... Miss, where did you get all those trout? I caught them. In a stream? Yeah. Those are lake trout. <laughs> They are? Well, maybe they got lost. Very strange. Well, I can't hope to beat that catch. Uh, you feel up to hiking back to camp? Sure. Well, we can take it easy. It's uh, pretty rough on you. Rough? Why, I can beat you back to camp any day. Oh, you can. Certainly. I'll tell you what, I'll race you back to camp. Oh, you're going to be smart, huh? <laughs> All right, I'll tell you what. Since I'm a man, I'll give you a head start. Well, since I'm a woman, I'll take it. Goodbye, George. Goodbye. I'll be seeing you in a minute when I pass you. Hurry up. I'll give you five minutes. <laughs> I'll have dinner waiting for you when you get back. Now, where did Iris get to? Oh, there you are. How'd everything go? Oh, fine, Iris. Do you have your car here? Well, sure. Why? I'm hiking back to camp in it. Hurry up before George comes trotting by. <laughs> Gee, it's getting dark, Iris. Any sign of George yet? No. I hope he isn't lost. Oh, wait a minute. There he comes now, down the road. Where? I don't see anyone. Look a little lower. He's crawling on his hands and knees. <laughs> i better get out of here before he sees me. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay. Thanks for everything. Uh-huh. George! Is that you? How'd it go? <laughs> that was fun, wasn't it, pal? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like hiking, is there? <laughs> George, you aren't tired, are you? <laughs> 
<laughs> George, say something. Water. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, George. I used the water. I got back so early I had time to wash my hair. You you got back that early? Oh, yes, but I must admit I cheated. I ran most of the way. <laughs> George, if you're that tired, you better go to bed. Remember, you promised to take me hunting at five o'clock in the morning. Oh. Now, are you sure you have everything straight, Iris? Well, I, I think so, Liz. How's George this morning? Oh, the poor guy. He was so tired, it was a shame to get him out of bed. Now, now review this once more with me. Oh, okay. I hide up in that oak tree. Yeah. And every time you shoot, I throw down a dead duck. <laughs> That's right. And if you don't, I'll be a likewise. <laughs> now, what if we shoot at a target? Well... You're going to choose that horseshoe attached to the fence over there. Yeah. And I'll bang this one with a rock. Like this. Good. Oh, start climbing. Here comes Joe. Okay. Ready to go, Liz? Yes, George. Now, here's your rifle. Let's start hunting. I want to shoot some ducks. Ducks? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why, there aren't any ducks within a hundred miles of here. <laughs> I don't know. These look like pretty good duck trees. Liz, you'll find ducks in swamps, not in trees. Want to bet? <laughs> All right, go ahead. If there's a duck in any of these trees, my name isn't George Cooper. We'll just see. Here goes. Well? What did you say, Sam? I don't get it, Liz. What's the matter? First, you catch a lake trout in the stream. <laughs> and now you shot a duck that's marked bird's eye frozen food. shoot at something we can see. Uh, a bottle or a can or a... Hey, wait a minute. There's a horseshoe over there on the fence. Horseshoe? Oh, no. We don't want to shoot at that. Oh, yes, we do. But it's so little. Well, maybe you're right. Okay, you talked me into it. <laughs> Here I go. By gosh, you did it. Nothing to it. Watch this one. With my eyes closed yet. <laughs> you missed it. <laughs> One of my slow ones. Give me that gun, Liz. I'll show you some real fancy shooting. What kind? There's an old hen up in that tree. <laughs> There is? Yeah. An old hen in green slacks. <laughs> Bet I can bring her down with one shot. Now watch this. One, two... Don't shoot George! 
I don't know. It was a pretty cheap trick you pulled on me. Well, it was a dirty trick you pulled on me, bringing me up here to run me ragged. Well. Oh, come on and make up, George. Let's not be pals or companions. Let's not even be friends anymore. Let's just go back to being man and wife. Listening to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning, and based on characters created by Isabel Scott Rorick. Tonight's transcribed program was produced and directed by Jess Oppenheimer, who wrote the script with Madeline Pugh and Bob Carroll Jr. Original music was composed by Marlon Skiles and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The part of Katie the Maid was played by Ruth Parrott. Watch for Lucille Ball in Fancy Pants with Bob Hope. Be sure to listen to Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband again next week, presented by... Chitty-chow-chow. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow, it's a brand new show, Dangerous Assignment, followed by Mr. District Attorney. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.